We're in a, a series about temptation. This is the third week. We have one more week to go, uh, and we call it A Way Out. Uh, we're all tempted. There is nobody in this building that isn't tempted on a regular basis. We are all tempted. Temptation is not a sin. Jesus was tempted. It's not a sin to be tempted. It is a sin to give in to temptation. Now, here's the thing about our temptations. They're usually recurring. That is, we're continually tempted by the same thing. Now, there may be some different things that come up, but there's those things that we know, that one thing or those things that we know that are always calling out to us. And we may say, I've tried everything. I just can't stop. Or I prayed about it. Nothing happened when I prayed. I can't change. It's just too late. It's who I am. Uh, there's no hope for me. So in this series, we've been learning that we have to trust God uh, in our temptations because he provides the only way out of temptation. God is faithful. Remember our theme verse, 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13 starts, well, actually, uh, after the first phrase, it says, and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. That doesn't mean you can do it on your own, but he doesn't allow you to be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he, will, he also provides a way out so that you can endure it. That's where we got the title of this series. He provides a way out. Be encouraged by this, that no matter what you're facing, there's always a way out. It's often simple, always difficult. We talked about that in our group on Tuesday night. A lot of stuff simple. That doesn't mean it's easy. These way, the way out is often simple, but it's always difficult, no matter what it is. Maybe you're tempted to just be critical of everything, continue, or to compare yourself to others all the time. Maybe you're a worrier. Maybe you have a problem with social media or gaming or, or gambling or sweets or whatever it might be. I say a lot about donuts and cake, by the way, and I, they're not evil or anything of that nature. I just know, I'm just attracted to donuts and cake. I don't, I don't have a problem with them. I just like them. Uh, but <laughs> there's all kinds of things, you know, that we get attracted to. Here's the good news. You don't have to do it alone. You don't have to go through this alone. God is with you. And you can get connected uh, to people at church who will be with you and help you in that as well. Often, when we, we, got, we got something and, and we want to quit doing that, we realize it's the wrong thing. Uh, uh, we, we say, I'm going to grit my teeth and I'm just going to concentrate on that thing and I will not let that thing defeat me. I will not do that. And what's the problem when you decide not to think the wrong thing is that what you do. That's what you think about, right? That's what you think about. It's not enough just say, I'm, I'm not going to do that, I'm not going to do that, I'm not going to do that. What you, what you try not to think about, that's what you think about. Don't think about how hungry you are right now and what you're going to do for lunch today, okay? Just don't, just put that out of your mind. It's pretty hard to, isn't it? Especially if you're hungry. The, the key is to think about and to do right thing. Yes, you can decide I'm not going to do that, but I've got to do the right thing, and I have to concentrate on the good things. So today, we're going to look at some powerful verses along this subject line of living by the Spirit. 
God has given us his spirit to empower us, to enable us to do the right thing rather than the wrong thing. But before we get into that, I want to make a few comments about the Holy Spirit, because obviously we're talking about God's Holy Spirit within us. You're probably aware of the fact that there is only one God, only one God, but he, he exists and manifests himself or shows himself to us in three persons, but there's only one God. The three persons are Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, right? There's a lot of explanations and illustrations of that fact, uh, and some of them are pretty good, but basically it's beyond our comprehension uh, to understand the exact nature of God. So we just say he's one God, but he exists in three persons. Most people have a pretty good idea about who God the Father is, right? The, he the loving heavenly Father. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. You know, that, that God. Uh, and, and oftentimes in scripture when it just talks about God, speaking about God the Father. Most people, of course, know who Jesus is. He's God who became a man. He was all God and all man. That's a little hard to understand. But he died on the cross to pay the price of our sins. And he's the guy that rose again from the dead on the third day. So most of us have a pretty good idea about Jesus, who Jesus is. Theologians, theologians call him the second person of the Trinity. But there seems to be a lot of mystery around the Holy Spirit. In the King James Version of the Bible, most of the time, translated and called the Holy Ghost, which gives it a little bit more mystery, but the same phrase, same phrase in the original Greek language. By the way, the Holy Spirit of God, first time he's ever referred to in scripture, Genesis chapter one and verse two, he's called the Spirit of God. And in the New Testament, he's not only called the Spirit of God, he's also called the Spirit of Christ. And so sometimes it's talking about Christ living in us, but we're talking about the Holy Spirit of God who dwells within us. The Holy Spirit is God in spirit working for us, empowering us, guiding us, comforting us, and living in us. The New Testament tells us about the relationships that we have or should have with the Holy Spirit. For instance, the baptism of the Holy Spirit took place on the day of Pentecost with the empowering of the church by the Holy Spirit to do a worldwide ministry. Baptism of the Holy Spirit in Scripture is always a group involved uh, in that it was corporate. While Jesus was here, his ministry was local, but when Jesus left and the Holy Spirit came on the church, we're worldwide. We go everywhere and everybody has the same power. The whole church has the same power to serve Jesus. The baptism of the Holy Spirit was repeated each time a new group came, was publicly received by the Father, first the Jews on the day of Pentecost, then the Gentiles, the household of Cornelius, and then there was this group of John the Baptist followers. But I want you to think about this. No one has ever been commanded in Scripture to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. There is no thou shalt be baptized by the Holy Spirit uh, in Scripture. There's no you should be baptized by the Holy Spirit. Je Jesus simply stated it was going to happen to the church on the day of Pentecost. And according to Peter, the gift of the Holy Spirit came as a result of water baptized. Repent and be baptized, each one of you, for the remission of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. When a person is saved, second thing, a person receives Christ as Savior and forgiver of his sins, the Holy Spirit moves in to him. He's indwelled by the Holy Spirit. Might be talking about the same thing, but I differentiate between that and what I just mentioned. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19 says this. This is important. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, 
whom you have received from God, you're not your own. When you trust Christ as your Savior, the Holy Spirit of God moves into your body. Isn't that amazing? The Holy Spirit of God moves into your body and takes up residence with you. Verse 20, uh, verse 19 ends, you're not your own. Verse 20 starts, you are bought with a price, and that price is the blood of Jesus Christ who died on the cross for you. Therefore, honor God with your body. Your body belongs to God just like the rest of you do, and your body doesn't always want to do the right thing, but the Holy Spirit lives within you, so honor God with your body. And as such, the Holy Spirit is our comforter, our helper, our advocate. He teaches us the things about Jesus and reminds us of Jesus, and he convicts the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. But no one is ever commanded to be indwelled by the Holy Spirit. Paul simply stated that's what happened when you receive Christ as your personal Savior. So these two things, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, what God does in us when we trust Jesus as our Savior or when we identify with his church, they are one and done things. You can't get more of the Holy Spirit than you got when you were saved. But Scripture does command us to be filled with the Holy Spirit, Ephesians 5.18, and to walk in the Spirit. And that's how we get God's power to overcome temptation, is that we are filled with the Holy Spirit. We walk in the Spirit. I want you to think about this, because we're going to be talking about walking in the Spirit. Walking by the Spirit is not getting more of the Holy Spirit, because you got Him. You have everything you need to overcome in this world. You don't get more. Walking by the Spirit is not getting more of the Holy Spirit. It's about giving more of you. That's where the, the situation is. Not get more of the Spirit. Giving more of yourself. Now, in the, the verses that we're going to start with today, Paul has been talking about being free in Christ and using our freedom to humbly serving others rather than to demand our own rights. And he says this in Galatians 5, 16. So I say, walk by the Spirit. You're alive in the Spirit. Now walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Do the right thing, stay close to God, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Keep looking at that, and I'm going to read to you what the, how the Amplified Bible reads there. The Amplified Bible means editors amplify, explain, right? But I say, walk and live habitually in the Holy Spirit. And he defines that as be responsive to and controlled by and guided by the Spirit. That's what it means to walk in the Spirit. Responsive to, controlled by, guided by the Spirit. Then you will certainly not gratify the cravings and desires of the flesh. What is the flesh? Human nature. When it's unchanged by God. Verse 17. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want or so that you do not do what you want to do. Have you ever experienced that battle off the inside of you? Something wants to do right and something wants to do wrong, and it, there's, a, there's a war that goes on inside of you. That's what's being described here. 
Be looking at that verse. Let me read that to you in the Amplified Bible. For the desires of the flesh are opposed to the Holy Spirit. And the desires of the Spirit are opposed to the flesh. That is that godly human nature, that godless human nature within you. For these are antagonistic to each other, continually withstanding and in conflict with each other, so that you are not free, but are prevented from doing what you desire to do. You know the conflict uh, that goes on within you. It's kind of like what Paul describes about himself. I'm not going to read these verses, but in Romans chapter 7, Paul says, I want to do the right thing and I end up doing the wrong thing. I don't want to do the wrong thing. I end up doing the wrong thing anyway. Uh, oh, sinful man that I am, what's the answer? Of course, the answer is in, in Jesus. But does that ever happen to you? I want to treat people with kind, the kindness of Jesus. And I do for two minutes or, or two hours or two days or two weeks. And then some fool gets in my path and I just have to lower the boom on him, you know? I want to eat healthy food, and I want to exercise, and, and, and I do for a while, and then it gets to be too much for me, that chocolate cake's in the middle of the, <laughs> of the table, right? I want to be faithful to my husband. I want to be faithful to my wife physically, emotionally, spiritually, and most of the time I am, but then I get in that wrong situation. Not me, I'm not, talking, I'm not confessing anything here, by the way, I'm just giving an illustration, make that clear to everybody. I don't want to ingest this or snort this or inject this, and I stay away from it for a long time, but then I give in to that. How does that happen? How does it happen that we want to do the right thing and we end up doing the wrong thing? Well, let me give you a couple of key thoughts here. First one is this, what you feed grows. You feed yourself, you grow. If you're not growing this way, grow this way. You feed your plants, they grow. You feed your pets, they grow, right? Second principle is what you starve dies. You feed yourself, you, you, you starve yourself, you die. You starve your plants, they die. You starve your pets, they die. If you feed your sinful nature, your flesh, you desire to do the wrong, your desire to do the wrong thing grows and your temptations grow stronger rather than weaker. If you starve the sinful nature, your desires to do wrong will get weaker and your temptations will grow weaker. If you feed the spirit within you, you feed your relationship with God, the power of the spirit within you becomes stronger and his power uh, in you to overcome temptation grows stronger because what you feed grows and what you starve dies. The battle is not just about resisting temptation by thinking about not doing something. It's about feeding the spirit within to gain strength from God. Now, next Sunday, we're going to look at some things that you can do specifically to feed the spirit. Today, we're going to be working on this question, how do I allow the Holy Spirit to help me overcome my temptations? And I'm just going to give you two simple things. How do I allow the Holy Spirit, to help me overcome my temptations. And so number one, to overcome the temptations of my sinful nature, they're there, everybody's got them, I must, number one, depend on the power of the Holy Spirit. I can't do this by myself, and I don't have to. I am not by myself. I have the Holy Spirit of God, I have you too. 
but I have the Holy Spirit of God. In Romans, the book of Romans, the, the, the letter that Paul wrote to the church at Rome, Romans chapter 8, the Apostle Paul is discovering how to have life through God's Spirit. What keeping rules cannot do, Jesus did when he came and died on the cross for us. You can't keep enough rules to go to heaven. So Jesus came and died on the cross to pay the price of our sin. So we have that eternal victory. We have that eternal life victory. Now we must win the daily victory in our lives over the temptation of sin. And so Paul says this in Romans chapter 8 and verse 12. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation. I like that phrase. We have an obligation. <laughs> Most people don't want any responsibility, but we have an obligation. But it's not to the flesh to live according to it. Each believer's responsibility is a positive one. We have an obligation. Yes, we have this Holy Spirit within us and we have, uh, uh, we have the power of God behind us, but we have an obligation. And our obligation is to live each day in the control and power of the Holy Spirit, not to live each day giving in to the dictates of our sinful nature. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it's not to the flesh to live according to it. The New Living Translation says you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. You have an obligation to God, but not to that. Verse 13. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. If you follow the dictates of the flesh, you will die. If you give in to your sinful nature, it kills you. Every good thing in your life will die. It kills marriages and relationships with children and careers and relationships with God and finances and credibility and every good thing in your life. Giving in to sin kills you. Now, sin can be fun for a while. I only know that by hearing other people talk about it, of course, but sin can be fun for a while. In Hebrews chapter 11, uh, we have these great heroes of faith, known as the, the, the faith chapter of, of Scripture. It talks about Moses, and it says that Moses chose being oppressed with the people of God over the temporary pleasures of sin because sin is fun for a little while. Sin thrills and then it kills because if you live according to the flesh, you will die. Somebody said sin fascinates then it assassinates. I've always used a, a, a much less colorful illustration. I said sin's like eating spaghetti with a white shirt on. I don't wear many white shirts but I used to. And you, you, have you ever tried to eat spaghetti with a white shirt or a light-colored shirt, maybe a pair of pants about like this on? And you're really careful, and you think, I made it. You know, I was able to eat that spaghetti, and, and then you get into the light, and you just got spots all over your shirt and all over your pants because you just can't keep that stuff off of you. And that's the way sin is. You think, well, I made it. You know, I, I gave in, but no, no harm done. Nobody got hurt. I'm, I'm all right. Uh-uh. No, it never works out that way. Um, I saw something. You know, you see a lot of interesting things. I saw something online where uh, a home inspector was asked to go in and inspect a house. I suspect this maybe was a rental unit. Uh, but he sent his pictures to his pastor. Here's the first picture. This is what it looked like on the inside of this house. 
when this home inspector went in, right? Second picture, uh, you know, just the house, just ceiling, walls, everything. I didn't show the plumbing fixtures. But then the last picture, I want you, there's a note. Look at this note that was attached to the wall of this house. Dear Lord, it all came home today. Funny thing is, the only thing I can do is thank you for loving me this much. I am at a complete loss as to why it's so hard. You know I love my family more than dope. Please help me. Amen. Can you imagine what happened with this man, this daddy, this husband, this woman, this mother, this wife? Uh, and, and it started out simple, little simple things, you know, smoking the wrong thing, taking the wrong thing uh, or whatever, but they thought they could control it and and then getting around the wrong crowd, keeping, come back, drawn back into it. And they love God, and they love their family. They love the wife or the husband and the kids uh, and all this kind of stuff. But one day, they give in, they give in, they give in, and the world crashes in around them. And that's what's left, you know, like disaster uh, that we saw. For if you live according to the flesh... You will die. Let's read all of verse 13. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But, but, if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. It doesn't have to be that way. Everyone can overcome by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, you might have to have some other help, by the way. I'm not against therapists. And, and, and rehab programs and all that kind of stuff. I just think God needs to be at the basis of it. Uh, 12 Steps of Al Alcoholics Anonymous. I was looking up, this. here's the first two. Step number one, we admit we were powerless over alcohol and that our lives have become unmanageable. Step number one is, I can't do this. I can't do this. Powerless over alcohol and that our lives have become unmanageable. Step number two, we came to be aware that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Kind of interesting, look, reading that online, two or three websites that I went to, everybody's trying to, you don't have to believe in God, you don't have to believe in God, it's not about God. Well, it is about God too. Yes, it is about God. It is about the power greater than us. When you admit that you are powerless in and of your own self over something, you are ready for God's power in your life. I didn't say you don't also need some people with skin on around you, some helpers, some therapists, some people to call you into accountability. But it begins with the power of God that is already within you if you have trusted Jesus as your Savior. Here's something I want you to think about during the week. It's in your outline. And I'm not asking you to write anything down now, but Starts with this, I admit that I'm powerless over what? I'm powerless over conceit or anger or certain kind of drug or whatever. I admit that I am powerless over what? And I believe, that's step number one. And step number two, I believe that the power of the Spirit of God will make me whole. It begins by saying, I am, you know, my name is so-and-so and I am an alcoholic, right? I am powerless this thing has got me, and I can't do anything about it. Sin grows best in the dark, so we need to confess our sin by name. This is what I do. 
This is what gets me. And I want to confess that and say, I am powerless over this thing. I need the power of the Holy Spirit. So number one, to overcome temptation, my sin nature, I must depend on the power of the Holy Spirit. Number two, I must follow the prompting of the Holy Spirit. By prompting, I mean the Holy Spirit encouraging us and reminding us to do something or to avoid something. Do you mean that I'll hear audible voices? Well, probably not. I'm not going to say exactly what's going to happen, but probably not. I've never heard an audible voice from God, uh, and I've sought him for many decades now. But I tell you what I have done. I have felt strongly impressed to do or to say or to go or not to go or not to do or not to say something. Uh, many times in my life, it has been very, very clear to me through the work of the Holy Spirit within me what God wanted me to do or what he did not want me to do. And I'm always amazed, like missionaries, you know, people that God calls to go to probably some other country, it's always amazed me that they know exactly where to go. What city, you know, sometimes what block. They just know exactly where to go. God works within them. I'm amazed by that. Let's go back to Galatians chapter 5. We began in verse 16. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you'll not gratify the desires of the flesh. In verse 24, Galatians 5, 24. The Apostle Paul wrote this, those who belong to Christ Jesus, if you have trusted Jesus as your personal Savior, you belong to him. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. You are no longer have to follow. You're not a slave to follow this, the sinful desires of your nature. Christ won the victory over sin and death. Now, in our house group, about giants, you know, we're talking about the giants uh, that must fall. We've learned that our giants are dead, but still deadly. One of the principles that we learned. So even though Jesus defeated Satan at the cross, he's still roaming around, and on a daily basis, he can get you down. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Verse 25. Since we live by the Spirit, that is, since the Spirit has made us alive and he dwells within us, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let's do things the Spirit's way. Uh, now, you know what, some of you military guys, you know what it means to keep in step, right? Some of you dancers, you know what it means to keep in step. I've never danced and I've never been in the military, but my brother-in-law, by the way, who was a high school athlete, makes fun of me when I admit this, but I was in the high school marching band and the concert band. Played the trombone, you know, I think with the long slide on it. And uh, really not the easiest thing because you don't have a, a valve to push down. You just got to know where to stop. And you got to hear on every note whether you're in tune with the band or not. If you're in the marching band, you have to not only do that, but you have to march in step with the rest of the band while you're doing it. So during football season, which would be 10 weeks out of every year, we had a different routine with different music that we learned each week. And I said I never danced. I didn't, but this band, we weren't a precision marching band. We had our little routine, all about the drum line, of course, to get out on the field. And then we would form shapes. And we, uh, and we would do a dance routine, four or five, however many songs we did, to each one, to some song, each one of these shapes that we were doing. 
And by the way, we did it without any music to look at. You had to memorize all the music. Monday, you could, you, you know, you learn the music inside. And then you went out and you had your little lyre on your instrument that held the music up. And Tuesday, but by Wednesday, buddy, that wasn't allowed on the field anymore. And when you got out there on Friday night, you couldn't look at any music. How did we do that? Well, first of all, we spent a lot of time together practicing it. And then secondly, there was this guy who was out on the field with us called the drum major, and we watched him. And we tried to keep in step with whatever it was that he was telling us to do. Uh, and, And we took note of the people who were around us. And that's what this verse is telling us to do between us and the Holy Spirit. Uh, Keep in step with the Holy Spirit. How do you do that? Well, you spend a lot of time with him. And you listen to what he has to say and you spend some time. We're going to talk about God's word and that kind of thing next week. But we we spend a lot of time with him and we become aware of his promptings. And, And he can be telling us something and we need to take that into account. One more verse, by the way, verse 26, doesn't really have anything to do with that, but it just says, follows that. It says, let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. I just kind of liked the verse, so I thought I'd go ahead and add it in. Uh, let's, let's, Let's focus on the Holy Spirit of God and quit making everything about ourselves. This week, here's what I'd like you to do. This week, take note of every time you sense God prompting you. Take note of that. Well, what does that mean? Well, uh, you're riding down the road and some, a, a thought comes to your mind. And it's a good thought and a right thought. Maybe the Holy Spirit is, is speaking to you. Uh, or you think about somebody who needs prayer. Maybe the Holy Spirit is prompting you to pray for that individual. Or you're wondering, should I or shouldn't I? And you're praying to God about that. And it's clear you shouldn't. Maybe that's the Holy Spirit prompting you. So this week, if you really want to do something, uh, if you feel the the Holy Spirit prompting you to think something or pray for somebody or to speak to somebody, to be kind to somebody, to keep your mouth shut, uh, to stay away from somebody, to stay away from some place, then write it down or make a mental note of it. Speak it into your phone. I don't care how you do it, but just keep a list of these things and see how God is with you. And and if you will listen to him, the Holy Spirit will prompt you. And remember this verse, where we started. God is faithful. I'm not faithful. God is, though. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. You are If you have trusted Christ as your Savior, the Holy Spirit of God lives within you. And you have all the power that you need. You just have to give more of yourself. Let's pray. Father, I know you're here with us today. We don't understand everything. We just want to understand enough so that we can live for you. And I ask you to give us the grace to do that. Give us the wisdom uh, to know when it's the Holy Spirit prompting us and leading us to do things and then give us the grace to do it. Lead us not into temptation. Thank you in Jesus' name.